They're world famous in Perth. And they've just popped in for a cuppa and a chat. Welcome to Katie Lamb's Personalities. Welcome back. My name is Katie Lamb. This is Personalities, the podcast, episode six. Uh, today's personality is disgraced sports journalist Josh Garlett. He's the creator of Kick It Forward with over 100,000 followers on Instagram and over 250,000 on TikTok. He's also the host of the Kick It Forward podcast alongside Harry Fitzgerald and Giorgio Savini and he joins me right now. Hello, Josh. Hi, Katie. I mean, you're a bit of Kick It Forward as well. You're always appearing and stuff. Uh, Women's World Women's as well, well. on yeah, the podcast. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, how did that go, do you reckon? Uh, I think you were really polite in your laughter. <laughs> Uh, I think we found it funny. I think you were like, oh, it's pretty basic. <laughs> no, it was good fun, actually. Yeah, okay, I cool. enjoy doing that. Um, <laughs> now, Perth is such a small place, so everybody knows everyone. So when you start creating videos that everybody loves, as well as being super tall, mm. you become a really familiar face around town. How's that been over the last few years for you with everyone coming up to you and, like, knowing who you are? Uh, it's been interesting. Like, I think I'm at a different stage of my life where I don't go out that much in Perth. Like, we'll go to the pub. We'll go to a couple of pubs. We go to a lot. And some people will come up to you and your mates will like, have kids or they're, they've done other things in their life. And they, they probably find it weirder more than anything. Mm. We have a big audience in Melbourne. So when we're in Melbourne and we're always like eating out and going to pubs and stuff in Melbourne, we definitely notice it more there. So that's yeah, really right. interesting. And the other thing is we're, I'm six foot seven. So, <laughs> and Harry, who I work with, is six six. So... Oh, my God, uh, tiny. I know. What a loser. <laughs> so people, people, that's normally their first comment, like, fuck your tall. So I'm actually kind of used to that because I used to play basketball and my brother's six foot nine. And it, like most of my memory of going out when I was younger and like maybe heavier was people just commenting on how tall we were and things like that. So maybe I'm used to it from that regard, I guess. Yeah, so you were more noticed just for being tall in general, but now <laughs> you're the tall guy in the videos. Oh, you're a TikTok guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we enjoy making them. I think the part of the benefit of being in Perth, you know, it has often the, the strength and the negative of being in Perth is the same. It's the isolation um, and for that, like, people in Perth get around you, they really enjoy your stuff, but at the same time you're potentially overlooked for opportunity that you wouldn't get, you might get if you're in Sydney or Melbourne or somewhere else. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later on, but before then you did a diploma of broadcasting at WAPA, same course I did. When did you do it? Uh, I think I was 26 or 27. Um, I did it late because I, I had an engineering degree. And did you? Wor- yeah, worked for two years and oh, then just dropped that. And then, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm super smart. Like. <laughs> well, no, I worked. I worked and got out of it in the end of the the boom. So there were no jobs. So I remember going to getting to the final for Wally Parsons for a graduate program, and they're like, "Congratulations, you've got the job," but there is no graduate program. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> like, oh, sick. What does that mean? It's like, it means you still don't have a job. You're unemployed. That's what that means. Yeah. So I worked as a geophysicist for a year and a half, which I, I don't, it sounds interesting, but it's actually like mathematics. It actually and, doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> like, to be honest. Uh, um, so I did that for a year and a half. And the whole time I was listening to podcasts constantly. So I would listen because I hated it and I was always going to be shit at it. But I, it was money and I was like, you know, I was enjoying myself enough in Perth. And I think basketball and engineering and stuff shows that you can learn enough in anything to get better at it. And I wasn't. Like, I remember walking into the office and there was this guy and he was like a genius. All these guys from back in the day, they're all millionaires because they'd found oil deposits and they got a percentage, like a carryover percentage. Right. And they changed that rule or something. So I was never going to get that. But there was this, I remember this Malaysian dude and I, every Monday, I'd be like, hey, how's your weekend? 
he'd be shocked I spoke to him and go, <laughs> yeah, fine, and then go back to it. And that was my social interaction for the day. Um, so we saw this broadcasting course and then I, I signed up for that because I, I, and it wasn't a hard decision. No, and also like best year. I mean, I did it when I was 21, so I did it a bit earlier than you, but it was – you know, so practical, you know, first semester was radio, second semester was TV. What did you sort of fall in love with most? I think making stuff, just being there and saying, okay, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't necessarily that interested in news or necessarily that interested in, or even radio that much. Radio fucking sucks. Sorry, Katie. I'm I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Because we're in a radio station. Um, (laughs) But it it was more just making things. Like they taught you how to film, they taught you how to like record. And then, then I remember being there and, they taught us how to make audio documentaries on Pro Tools and I was so interested in that because I, I, I'd listened to so many and started immediately making them and they were really shit. And then uh, I think actually in my final semester, we had, they had this project where you had to make a current affairs program and it was going to be like top five of them were going to be shown on air. And then I did mine on like a complete piss take. It was like a satirical one. And everyone else is like, everyone had died. And so it's like, so-and-so's brain was never the same. <laughs> And then mine was about hybrid desserts in Perth. And any time I was shown on camera, I was shoving a donut in my mouth. And so, so mine was last. And I remember just, just going all the way to the end and, and, and then play, pressing play and just being like, oh, guys, mine's a bit different. But everyone loved it, laughed, and it got in the top five. And then, um, Did you win the award? I didn't win it with the award, but actually the funniest thing that came from that is one of my friends, she's an anaesthetist and I needed a medical doctor to talk about if desserts could be bad for you and I labelled her an obstetrician, uh, like, no, well, not an obstetrician, a, um, there's a word for obesity, like the study of obesity anyway. And she, someone at her work saw it and immediately called her and was like, they've missed, and she was so fucking angry. Oh, really? She got over it. Yeah, we're mates now still. But uh, I remember that. That was my first sort of foray into that world. And then I was always making a little of them, these videos. And it wasn't until like five years later I got sort of the courage to release them. So you did WAPA, that's only a year, uh, that diploma, and then you went to Fox Sports? Yeah, And what were you doing there? I was just a shit kicker. So um, I was on the the main floor at Fox Sports. Where is that? uh, So that was in Atarman there. So Fox Sports' main studio is in Sydney. So I moved to Sydney. Uh, girlfriend at the time was really upset and like in hindsight it was quite selfish but anyway we're not together anymore um and then moved over to sydney and it was really hard because it was there but i enjoyed it and you know you're waking up at 3am every day to effectively tweet off the fox sports twitter Mm. and then we got made redundant after three months and I remember I walked in late. I was like, anywhere you go, it seems to like get redundant. Well, that's media <laughs> industry. Like, meets, you often meet people in like the media industry that have been made redundant like seven yeah. times in fourteen years and stuff like that. And uh, I remember being late and just sprinting in, and then just all of a sudden, there's like, or everyone huddled with the CEO of Fox Sports, and he's giving us a real. I forget the term, Orwellian, like Orwellian speech, like 1984, where they're saying what they're doing to you, but they're glossing it up with something else. Like it's yeah. like project efficiency, which means you're all fired. Yeah. And it was literally something like that. Yeah, you're and all like not like employed here, no. but you can definitely get employed elsewhere, but it won't be here. Yeah, yeah. But what happened with that is they we eventually got saved at the last minute because it was hemorrhaging money and Sky News took over Fox Sports, the management, 
because they offered to do it at really, really cheap. And because of that, they said, everyone can interview for every role. So I interviewed for CEO and didn't get that. So then I tried... Um, CEO? <laughs> yeah. The guy who just started three months uh, yeah, ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tried that one. And then uh, there was a reporter in Perth and <laughs> Melbourne. And I tried for both. And they're like, oh, what do you think of Perth? I'm like, well, I just moved here from Perth. So I like it. <laughs> And then they offered me the role. And so I, it, was, it was a bit weird. So then, so literally my girlfriend had broken up with me two days prior because I wouldn't move back to Perth. And then I got told I was moving back to Perth. Oh, hey. So, and it didn't, it didn't work out. Oh. Um, but then, so I moved back to Perth and then I was a video journalist. So I had to film myself and film everything and I had to edit it and write it. And from that, I learned how to make videos and write stories. And so that was really cool. So that was um, at Fox and then you went to Seven West? Yeah, so I got made redundant then a second time at Fox. Oh, God. Yeah. When we're at Fox Sports. No wonder you're working your own now. <laughs> You'll probably make yourself redundant, redundant soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I went to Seven West, um, got made redundant, and then I met people at Seven West, like Nick Rin, who uh, was the sports editor there, and then they offered me a role. And so I was lucky because it was going into COVID. And I learned how to write then, like write print, which was really, really useful. I'm still bad at writing print, but it just gave me a way to do it. Otherwise, I didn't know how to approach it. How long were you at Seven West for? For two years. And then I was making these videos on the side. So when I got made redundant at Fox, I, was, I started releasing these videos because I'd always thought about making them. And I just kind of was like, I didn't care anymore. Like, what was the point? And then uh, I started releasing them. And after about two years, it became sort of a bit of a little bit of conflict of interest or like it was taking too much time away. And then I ended up quitting after the the grand final in Perth. Back with more of Katie Lamb's personalities in a tick. So essentially you quit a couple of years ago and then you started getting paid for content. So did you have a bit of a, a safety net or savings? Like how did you end up making that decision that you were going to pursue social media on your own? Well, we got really lucky. So because we make quite niche sports comedy, even though we haven't got the biggest footprint and we're not even that big yet, or if we get there... Um, Spotify were trying to make podcasts and Spotify were like splashing money anywhere and they were trying to like get in the podcast industry and they they offered us a two-year deal to make a, a podcast and I think it ended up being $35,000, $40,000 or something like that, yeah. which was enough to justify moving away and I didn't want to host it by myself so I got the guys in and they were great and they and the guys I work with have like history in broadcasting, Harry works in radio. So from that, uh, it was a safety net for me so I could go full-time in this. I kept doing a job at ESPN writing basketball content um, on the side and then that quickly fell away, the basketball writing stuff because the price of the time required to write an article about the NBL was so much more than like doing a video yeah, that right. was paid content. So so the first was the Spotify thing. We did that for a year. We quickly realized even though there was a third party getting paid to produce us, probably getting paid three times what we were getting paid. You're uh, kidding. I don't, I don't know, but like they probably were getting a substantial amount. They were really lovely, but the reality was we were in Perth. So we didn't have a studio. So everywhere we were going to a bowls club, setting up a roadcaster. So I had to learn how to use a roadcaster. Shout out to Cambridge, Cambridge, Cambridge Bowls, bowls Club. <laughs> um, we had to set, learn how to set up a roadcaster, learn how to film podcast video so, so we'd set this all up every single time mm. because we didn't own it and I have to finish it before Zumba started uh, because the, <laughs> yeah because did you ever participate though in a class no we didn't but no. we definitely swore out loud when we heard the beat of like the drums going or whatever <laughs> that was your wind up you that was my to, wind yeah. up yeah so then we pretty much all the Spotify podcasts outside of Inspired Unemployed and um, Tony and Ryan were cut this year and we didn't hear anything but we still love the medium and we still like making it. And 
we were just sort of adamant we were going to make something. Mm-hmm. So we decided, fuck it. We we started making these video content because we were sick. Of, I was sick of people owning what we made. Yeah. Like working at the West, working at Fox. You just want to own what you make. Like I think that's a key. So I just said, let's just make it for a year and see what happens sort of thing. Similar format. They didn't really care. They were really good to us, Spotify. And I taught myself how to edit podcasts and how to do the timing and try and to make more things like that. So now we've done, I think, 40 episodes. I think we just passed 10,000 subscribers around that. So we now have a product, an asset, and we own it. That's probably the benefit of me. And I think to the end, at the end of Spotify, we had about 3,000 regular listeners. So yeah, wow. It's a real win for me personally to know we can, but it's sometimes hard when you're doing it every week to sort of have the perspective that you actually have done something, you know what I mean? What's the downside to it all? Because doing a podcast or doing social media full-time seems like the dream to so many people. And a lot of people like yourself are fortunate enough to be in that position where they can go off and do it full-time. But what is the the downside to it and the reality of it? I think the perspective of doing it is it's awesome. Like it's so much fun. Mm. Like we laugh all the time. Uh, You have to do it when you're not feeling that funny as well. Like you'll be like, oh, well, I actually have to do this. And the guys are down, like, my dad has been really ill. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, like, being in the ICU editing this Brownlow video. Oh, yeah. And that's like, not what, yeah. And, and it was such a sort of juxtaposition where there's this man dying next to you. Mm. But then you're just like, oh, that's funny. All right, I'll, I'll use that, leave that in. <laughs> just, like, super grim. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's Gil McLaughlin saying he's proud of me. All right, I'll put that in. And they're like, oh, we're just going to roll your dad because there's no hospital sores. I'm like, oh, I'll get out for a bit. And then, like, carry all the hard drive and everything out. Um <laughs> And then, and then the time, like, I, th- I think, like, we've done such amazing things, but which, again, you need the perspective and amazing in our, our eyes, like, because we still think we're losers. <laughs> but I, I think it's the time, like, you're effectively starting a small business and all of a sudden you're thinking about it constantly. Mm. Like, I, my, I was with my girlfriend for like four and a half years. Yep. We, we just broke up because I didn't have enough time, effectively. Like, I wasn't putting enough in and a lot right. of shit was going on. Um, sorry to bring that up, but it, I guess that is a time. If you, you need to have, if you don't have a grasp of the rest of your life, that can fall away pretty quick and you can neglect it just because it's like any small business. I'm sure anyone that owns a small business understands that. So I think that's my biggest worry. I think as well, because you're an entertainer, so you entertain people, you're creating like funny videos, you're doing a podcast, which is funny. And so there is that mentality, like you always need to be on for your audience. But when you've got a dad who's really unwell or you're going through a breakup, you need a compartmentalize i guess particular mm. parts of your your life which i'm sure can be so challenging well, i know firsthand that can be so challenging you know to actually do that but you need to push on because you also need to make money yeah or even you just need to make shit like unfortunately there's the constant requirement of making things and if you don't have the energy or if you don't have the mind headspace like this week's been tough in that regard you just got to kind of do it anyway so i guess that's that i mean everyone has tough motivation yeah. at work when they're down anyway so i don't want to sound like it's any different but i just think that Um, That's probably the other side of it, yeah. Talk about some of your awesome opportunities. I know you and Harry recently went to America. What are some of these incredible opportunities that you're like, holy hell, I need to pinch yourself? We've been lucky. Like, because again, we've got a small footprint still, but and we're still in Perth. So it feels like, you know, it isn't the biggest market here in that regard. And then occasionally we just get these offers and I kind of look at the guys and like, man, we just got offered to go to the Philadelphia Eagles training camp. (laughs) So random, and, but so fun. Yeah, so random. And then they're like, why would they want us? And, you know, there's a lot of reasons these things happen. That one was f- amazing because and tiring because you have to drive, fly 36 hours or whatever. 
But then you end up in Philadelphia and it's such a different world and it's so cool. And Jordan Maylata was there and Aaron Sipos, who I, I don't can't remember if he's currently on the roster. And you're just seeing this entirely different world, which you kind of would have dreamt of. And then you're doing it. And in reality, there's a little bit of pressure because you got to make something. But we, we probably just randomly fit into this basket of we weren't big enough for them to pay us, but we were small enough and, and into sport enough to think that is such a cool opportunity just to get free flights accommodation into the into the place. Right. So you didn't get paid for it, but no, you got no, paid no. to go over there and yeah, be there. Yeah, whereas like someone who would may have, be, have a bigger profile or, or a professional athlete or something like that might be like, oh, actually, for the time, I want to be paid like five to $10,000 or some, some crap like that. Yeah. So that was like, that was kind of where... Where, where that came from and it was so fun and then there's all the other stuff that just happens that is fun on those trips like Philadelphia is super dodgy and there's a massive fentanyl problem <laughs> but it's that old adage of like if you're with your friends anywhere it's fun like yeah. if you're in Kalgoorlie nothing wrong with Kalgoorlie but it's actually really fun for a weekend with your mates mm. and Philadelphia was a really fun weekend like it was so dodgy but everyone we met they just immediately came at us aggressive and then would hear we were Australian, which you think might not exist anymore with the internet and how like there's a lot of Australians in the US. But in Philly, it really happened. And there's so many Australians in New York that like people were driving us places and like taking us around just because they heard our accent. And, <laughs> and Jordan Maylata was such a, a favourite player there. Everyone loved him. Like everyone, they were like, oh, yeah, he goes to our bar all the time. We, fu- we love him. He's cool. So yeah, it was good. That was really good. Would that be your number one, like biggest highlight? I think actually our live show, that was the coolest thing we've done. Yes, um, that was just recently in yeah. Melbourne. So it's sort of like a live podcast record, but you're not recording, right? No, we didn't record it. And we, we kind of just made it into a sketch show that featured some inside jokes from the podcast. Mm. And and I think that's sort of a path we'd like to take where we end up having a fringe show that we can could be appealing to anyone that just wants to attend mm. you know, a sports news sort of comedy satire show. Yeah. I think that's that's been cool to do. And just also getting up there and you're not nervous. You just, oh, okay, this is what I do now. And that's like the realisation because um, I know everyone has like the imposter syndrome thing and I do every day. But then I was there, so, well, we just do this and then it ends. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then like, I'm not going to die. No, you're not. Not potentially, but uh, well, maybe. But um, that was really cool and we sold it out and we'll definitely do more. And the, the everyone, it was so weird meeting people that, spend so much time another week to listen to us and engage with us and things like that. How big was the room? I know you sold it out. Was it like three-seater? <laughs> yeah, three-seater. Uh, it's about half the size of this room. I think it was like 200 or something like that. Yeah. That's epic though. Yeah, Isn't good. that wild as well? Because that was over in Melbourne. That so, was in Melbourne, yeah. Um, when are we going to see one in Perth? We'll definitely do something in Perth. I think we, we've just organised with a couple of comedians to do a fringe show of some kind. So uh, we definitely just need to get around to it. I'm getting a bit burnt out from the year. So I'd probably need take time off although we've been working on this like wedding sketch idea for a while and we finally got given some funding from a beer company shout out to beer farm but we just need to make it work because there's not much time left in the year um so yeah yeah we'll definitely do one in perth soon back with more of katie lamb's personalities in a tick what's the end game for you so dream job no limits go dream job yeah um i think it's just making Making stuff that I think is good, like mm-hmm. we when we come together and make something, and, and it's and it, I think it's great. I I find it really funny, or I find it really touching, or something like that. And then there's an audience reaction because in the end of the end of the day, it's like you need an audience reaction for it to be a success as mm. much as the other. If I can make something more polished, that is like a short film or a TV series, or write on a TV series. You need to do a TV series. It'd be great to, if we have the right idea or yeah. something like that. I have about four ideas that I think could be something. That would be awesome. And I think that is 
something to aspire to that we might not ever get. But it's a good thing to keep trying out while we still have this because the reality is like we've made it in a medium that isn't traditional medium. It's on social media. And as much as you build an audience as big as you want, unless someone gives you an opportunity in that traditional media space, you don't get it. So we need the right idea. We need to find some of the fits and, and then it will take a lot of work. So I think, yeah, it's, that's probably what I'm looking at in the next five years. You've got this far doing just what you've been doing. You know, you've got like, it's, you, you're super talented, you, Harry, Giorgio. Like you guys work really, really well together and you've actually got, and achieved so much already that a TV series just doesn't seem like you won't be able to achieve it. Oh, that's really nice. It's such a weird thing when the, you're in the inside of it. It might be the same for you um, working. I know I know your story with radio and then also just the, how you make stuff. It's when you're in it because it's so incremental, it's hard to celebrate wins. Mm. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's just like the next thing is around the corner. Like then I always get mates that are like, oh, that video put up was shit or I didn't like it or that one was good and I'm kind of glazed over like, I just got to make another one, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But like the interaction with people is great, obviously, but especially (laughs) with friends because they're so honest with you and they're funny. Like I think you would probably be the same, Katie. You have, I feel like I'm the 20th funniest guy in our group. In, our, in all my different group of friends, like I find these people so funny, mm. but they just don't make stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, Fully, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but uh, when I'm there, I'm like, laughing so much and these guys have such amazing timing and stuff and they, they're doing these long, like some of my mates do really long elaborate jokes that the payoff <laughs> is six months later. <laughs> and, and I just find it so funny. Like anytime you're putting so much effort into something so stupid, I just immediately find that funny. Like Totally. And I also feel like you'd be the same, but, you know, my friends are my inspiration for comedy because yeah. my friends are so funny. So yeah. I look at, you know, situations where my friends are in and then I just recreate that in a little skit because I'm like that person there is like the funniest person I know. Yeah. And it's also proof, uh, like truth, right? Like you, yeah. all of it needs to start in a truth and you're seeing it in real life. Mm. Yeah, and it like, sounds like I'm being like really pretentious about all this crap because I'm not because at the end of the day, I like have reality checks all the time. I'm like, well, we're making like poo-poo silly videos, but I guess we're just so all in that I need to be because otherwise it's a pretty dark existence what comes out the other end. Um, no, it's, it's so it's fun. It's been a very fun two years. What's your video you're most proud of? Did We did one with Tony Armstrong, which was really cool. I really liked that one. Uh, what else? What's your most viral? Do you know? I, I don't know. To be honest, we've had a couple of big ones. We had like I feel like the algorithms changed recently on social social media and stuff, where that things get pushed quite a lot. We've had some big ones, uh, but then also like we've had a lot of shit ones. I think the one I find the funniest was like an AFL ref umpire video. To understand it, you had to be a Minority Report fan. You had to follow AFL refereeing um, news. <laughs> And you had to be a pretty big AFL fan. And the people that loved it, like, loved it so much and, like, will quote it to me. But um, it didn't get that big at all. Um, do you have a favourite video of your own? Uh, it's it's a, it's hard, isn't it? But I, one of my favourite ones, and it's edited terribly because it was the very first one I ever did. Yeah. But it was the one who organised a group present. Yeah. That wants the credit for it, so just yeah. wants to make sure that they knew that they were the one that organised yeah, a group yeah. present. And it's such a it's a bit of a niche idea, but it's the first one I ever did. And the editing is like so loose; it's not tight at all. <laughs> but I'm like, fuck, that was funny. <laughs> That was like the, my very first one. If I, I, sh- I should re-release it really yeah. and try and tighten it up. But yeah, I reckon the ones that you find the funniest 
aren't necessarily the the biggest ones. No, nah, we did one. We actually did one last year, um, and I was really proud of it because I love playing with cameras because I'm a bit of a camera nerd. And Harry's brother is a really renowned DOP, like director of photography yeah. in Perth. And we got his like really whiz bang camera. I think it's worth about fifty grand or something. And to film this video, we rigged it up on the side so it'd be portrait. And it was about that feeling you get when your friends come home for Christmas because Perth is so synonymous with. You know, people leave. People go to Melbourne. They go to Sydney. They yeah. go to New York. They go to London. Then they all come back for two weeks, and they have this idea of Perth's the coolest place in the world because they're there for two weeks when yes. everyone's in town and it's hot and everyone's going to the beach. I, I just, say this all the time, yeah. And and then that's why people are here and like best place in the world. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's great, but you're also got this. Everyone you love is here right now, and we made a video about that. And, and most was, people are on holidays because it's like that Christmas time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's <laughs> off. They can actually hang out. Yeah. And then um, we got put it to Paul Kelly's. Um, what's the Christmas song? Um, How to Make Gravy. Mm. And I don't know, it just, it just hit for me. I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it because it was like kind of emotional, but it was funny and we had like eight of us doing it. Whenever there's a big ensemble, I just get really excited. Do you have anyone, has anybody like commented on one of your videos or follows you maybe that's like so famous and you're like, oh my God. Because uh, oh. the one that you and I did at the airport uh, where you getting up, first final core and you get oh, up to, yeah, yeah, yeah. to board. We had some wild people comment on that. Like mm. one, um, who was it? Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. It's just like, it was so fun to see all the blue tick people yeah. and who they are. Um, I, think, I think there's been some random ones for me. It's like uh, this guy, Patrick Brumell or Brumell, I can't remember, but I really like this um, Australian TV show called A Moody Christmas. I watch it every single year. It's like six episodes, but they're about 23 minutes each. And every episode is Christmas Day a year later. Right. And I remember first watching after my brother's wedding in Wollongong and I'm flying back on the flight and I was like 26 or something. There's all these characters that are just every family member you have to hang out with because they're family, but otherwise you probably wouldn't be mates. And every Christmas they're the same character. And there was just an amalgamation of so many family members in all these characters. And I remember flying back like crying and laughing and and things (laughs) like that. And then one day I was, I'd put out, and this is like two years ago, I put out this video and and I realized he was commenting on them all, the guy, oh that, my God. the guy that wrote and was the funniest guy in it. I was like, what the fuck? And so now he's in Colin from Accounts as well. He's the dude in that and his oh, wife is, yeah. Oh, I still haven't seen that, but everyone um, tells me to watch it. So that, that they're always crazy ones when, yeah, it's, wow. when it's someone you like hell respect mm. and they've commented on it, like sometimes comedians do. And I don't consider myself probably a comedian because I know that craft is so much harder. But when they do, I'm like, well, that's the respect of someone 100%. that's actually funny. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, so like Dave O'Neill, who I knew from growing up, like always like comments and comments and stuff. Like sometimes I feel like the older comedians don't understand that I get a notification. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, what about yourself? Oh, um, sorry, I'm the one interviewing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just sticking your. Oh, own I just mind. felt like I was talking too much. No. Well, that's literally the point. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about it because I haven't prepped because I'm the interviewer. What is next for you? Um, like, do you think, because I know you say that being in Perth is a bit more of a small market and you miss out on potential opportunities that you could get if you, say, were over east. Uh, is that something you look at, like to move? Or I think we would next year. I think like just all the personal stuff that's happened to me recently, it's like consider it more and more. I would love to get to the point where we have a boom, like we do really well maybe this summer or something and mm. we get big enough where people are like like Danny McBride who made three of my favourite shows, um, Eastbound and Down, I think it's called Vice Principals 
and I'm just, it's um, it's escaping me right now. But an amazing actor and writer. He's from South Carolina, and when he went originally went to Hollywood, he did the Hollywood thing, and you know got big enough where he went back to South Carolina. And now people go there, and he gets the production there, and he does that. I would love to yeah, at right. some point in my life, whether it's like in ten years or something, to get to that stage where we make things in Perth, mm. and and like all of a sudden there's things being made in Perth, like Ty would Tiki or whatever. He makes things in New Zealand. And I don't know why we can't do that here. Nicolas Cage is currently in... I want to go down there and just, like, (laughs) hang out all day and just bump into him. Um, (laughs) I've been thinking about it so much. Just get a surfboard. He's he's surfing at the moment. Some version of surfing. I mean, Looks like it's, like, tandem or something. But um, (laughs) I think think the goal, short term, sorry, maybe look over east because I think we went there 13 times this year um, to Melbourne. And in the meantime, the next six months, make something really nice. Make something that challenges me that I, I've never made before. That'll probably be shit, but uh, I don't know. It's the first step. I think you are super talented and I reckon your future is so bright and I'm super excited to see what's going to happen because I know something big's going to happen. You know, when you just have that feeling about someone, I feel like it's going to happen for you. So I'm so excited to see that journey. But thanks so much for coming on and talking about your life. Thanks. And trying to ask me questions. Oh, That's sorry. It. You can cut that out. <laughs> was another of Katie Lamb's personalities. Subscribe to the Rush Hour with Embers and Katie podcast in the listener app to hear more from Triple M's Rush Hour.